0: What God is promising us this year is that in 2021, our lives are going to reflect as it is in heaven. Amen. We're going to experience open heavens, the dew of heaven coming upon all that we have and all that we do. And we're going to experience the manifestation of heaven on earth. It's important uh, for you to know that when these words come, uh, these things don't just happen because they are declared you have to receive it. Everybody say, "I have to, have to receive it," and you have to keep proclaiming it. You have to keep proclaiming it. You have to keep proclaiming it. There's, there has to be, you know, a transmutation, and you know, we're going to be dealing with all that later as we go on in the year um, about how to transfer things from heaven on earth. You know, if somebody gave you some money or something in, in a particular country and you need it in this place, there has to be a process of transferring it into this place. You understand? Know, so when God releases. When God releases things in the heavenly realms, He releases them in spiritual things, but He packages them in words. How we transfer them into this realm is by taking those words and begin to speak those words on the earth. So I want you to be very, very diligent about that. Wake up each morning, every time it comes to your mind, declare this is heaven on earth for me. Even if, even if something happens that seems contrary to that. I remember somebody called me during the week and said, I had a very terrible accident, you know, this week, you know. I mean, you know, and we're just talking, to and the person said, but you know what? It's heaven on earth. It's heaven on earth. Amen. It's heaven on earth. You know, how can that be heaven on earth? You know, because all things work together for the good of those who love God. And we're called according to his purpose. You know, and God is, you know, going to turn that thing, you know, for, for good. So no matter what happens, keep focused. Don't, st- don't look at what is happening around you. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. And as you stay there, as you keep saying that, you are going to, you are going to experience these words in your life. So, I'm proclaiming it right now over you, and I'm going to keep proclaiming it, that God is going to renew the face of your world in the name of Jesus. The same way he spoke in the beginning, that the Spirit, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the water, and then he brought Eden out of the chaotic world. No matter how your life looks right now, By the end of 2021, God will have reshaped your world. Amen. Come on, say, God will have reshaped my world to reflect reflect heaven. It will will reshape your spiritual life. It will reshape your your soul, your mind, your emotions. It will reshape your bodies. It will reshape your social life. It will reshape your marriage. It will reshape all your relationships. It will reshape your finances. It will reshape your calling, your ministry. By the end of 2021, you will look back and you will, you will see that you are no longer where you were when you started this year. Because God has increased you a thousandfold. God has multiplied you in many ways. And God has brought forth heaven into your life in the precious name of Jesus. The Spirit of God is working upon your life and you are experiencing renewal this year in Jesus' name. Amen. So keep declaring that, keep saying that, keep saying that, and it will be so. It will be so. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, "Through faith, through faith, through faith, the walls were framed. The walls were framed. I love it. The walls were framed. Hebrews 11:3. The walls were framed by the word. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. The translation says the world was framed by God's word, so that what we now see. We're not made of things which are visible. So, you know, the things that we see visibly right now in this world were made by invisible forces. They were made by the invisible force of words, the invisible force of faith. Amen. So everything that you see right now in this world was made by the invisible force of faith. So your life right now also, as you begin to release this invisible force through words, invisible force through words, you will see that your words... You know, your words will be framed. You know, I love the amplified. It says, you know, it says the world was, you know, was constructed. It was, you know, it was it just use different words there. You know, God reconstructed it. God reformed it. God changed it. God transformed it through the successive ages by the words that he spoke. So as we focus on God's word, we're seeing heaven manifesting upon the earth. So that's our theme for the year. Our theme for the month is a renewal. Everyone say renewal renew, renew, renew. The reason is because um, Jesus told us that in Luke chapter 5 verse 36 to 38 he said Jesus gave them this illustration he said no one tears a piece of cloth from a garment and uses it to patch an old garment, from a new garment, uses it to patch an old garment for then the new garment will be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. It won't match. Verse 37, 37. No one puts new wine into old wine skins. Can you increase my volume a little bit? No one puts wine into old wine skins, for the new wine will burst the wine skins, spilling the wine, and ruining the skins. Verse 38, verse 38. New wine must be stored. In new wine skins. Hallelujah. So basically, what Jesus was saying in this place is that you don't patch two things together, you don't patch the old and the new. Whenever God wants to do something fresh and all that, He wants a new one, He wants new verse, new things created. And guess what? What was the context of this passage? What was the context of this passage that we just read? They came to ask Jesus about fasting. We're going to be getting into it. They came to ask him a question about fasting. They said, why why does um, John the Baptist' disciples fast and your disciples don't fast? And Jesus told them, he said, well, they don't fast right now because I'm with them. I'm fasting on their behalf, but there's going to come a time when I'm going to be taken away from them and then they shall fast. Basically, Jesus was saying, okay, guys, we're still in the Old Testament now. I've not gone to the cross to die, okay? I've not gone there. There's something fresh and something new that is coming. When that has happened, then they will be required to fast because we're not going to be mingling this old thing with a new one, right? new one is going to require a new wineskin. That was the context of that. Amen. And we're going to get into it a little bit more today. But I just want you to know that as I began to preach last week, that God wants to renew Our lives wants to renew our world. Matthew chapter four verse seventeen. I thought about it last week. Just giving just some review on last week. If you want the full message, go to our podcast, go to our website, and you will be able to get the full message. Say from that time on, Jesus began to preach, "Repent." The first message of Jesus, "Repent," for the kingdom of heaven is has come near, or is at hand. It has come near. So heaven is. Seeking to bust forth into your world, but you have to change something. You have to change your thinking. So we talked about repentance last week. That repentance is something that takes place in your heart, a turning in our hearts, a change in our hearts, like a change in our heart conditions. So you know, our heart conditions are not always in the place where it allows heaven to flow as it wants to. Sometimes, you know, where you know, we are not in resonance with the way heaven is operating. We're not in alignment with it. So Jesus was saying, come into alignment with heaven because heaven wants to come up, come into your walk. And then he went on just shortly after that, like I explained last week, and gave us what we call the Beatitudes. The Beatitude, where he talked about the art conditions required for the kingdom of God to flow in our lives, and, um, you know, he talked about, you know, those who are poor in spirit. He's saying that there's an attitude of heart that allows the kingdom to flow. That attitude is an attitude of desperation that is seeking for something more, that knows that this, what this world has to offer and what the government of this world has to offer, what, you know, the, the systems of this world have to offer is not what I am here for. There's something more. There's a better government. Government. There is a better reality there's a greater reality uh, that belongs to us there's a greater reality that i can have access to but god i want it i want it i want more i see it in the bible i see it in the lives of the apostles i see it in in the in the life of jesus i i see i see the promises in the bible of how life can be when heaven on earth is manifesting in our lives i see it, lord but Lord, I don't think I'm walking in it. I know that you can heal people, you can deliver people, you can do miracles, you can transform families, transform cities, you can do all this stuff. Well, I don't see, and then they are hungry and they are seeking, so they are bankrupt at heart. That's what he was saying there, you know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Bankrupt at heart. They, they just they just seeking God because poor in spirit. Then he talked about, I talked about aching visionaries, right? People who mourn, who are mourning, because they just they just want something more. They want something more. Aching visionaries, aching visionaries. They are not mourning uh, because you know they are you know like they they are not mourning because of maybe earthly stuff and all that. They are mourning because there's something there's something that God has showed them. There's something that they know is possible, but they are unable. But, they, but it's not been manifested, so they're, they're mourning and praying and interceding because they want these things to come to pass. You know, blessed are those who crave for the kingdom. Blessed are those who are controlled, who are meek. So the meek spirit, the meek and the quiet spirit and all that, a humble spirit, you know, makes you aligned with the kingdom of God. We talked about those who are merciful, those who are generous, those who, have, who are pure in heart, who have open and single heart, peacemakers, The persistent one. So we talked about all these things last week, so I'm just running over them. So, But Jesus was saying that there's an alignment, there's something that needs to happen in our hearts so that we can be in alignment with the kingdom of God. So we took some time to look at the reason why we need renewal. We looked at the motivation for renewal. We looked at the meaning of renewal, what it means to be renewed. We looked at the manner of renewal, that God can renew our spirits. God can renew our soul, God can renew our bodies, God can renew everything in our lives. Our marriages, our relationships, everything can be renewed. Everything can be brought to the place where they are in alignment with God's purpose. And then we ended up last week by talking about the methods of renewal. The methods of renewal. How does God bring this renewal? So that is where I want to continue today. How does renewal take place? place in our lives. And that's why the title of my message today is the power of fasting. Everybody say the power of fasting. The power of fasting. I want to believe that everybody watching me uh, from City Light Church, some of you might be joining us for the first time, so I know it's not everybody, but um, everybody here also that you are already in the um, Prayer and fasting season. But, you know, I believe after today, you will kick it to a new level. Amen. This is the eighth day we can go deeper. Someone say, I can go deeper. We can, especially when we understand it. When we understand, you know, what, how powerful fasting is. So, let's start from Matthew 16 from verse 19. Matthew 16 verse 19. This is a verse we're going to be interacting with the Lord this year. Matthew 16 verse 19. So he says, let's start from verse 18, please. He says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer, conquer hate. Conqu- hate. Conquer hate. Conquer hate. <laughs> and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I ever say the keys. So we're talking about heaven on earth, right? And he's talking about the keys. The keys open, open things. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Jesus Christ here was talking about something very powerful here when he talked about the keys of heaven on earth Um, it's talking about the things that allows heaven to manifest on the earth. And here, it's talking about primarily in this place, the power of prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Somebody say prayer. 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 Prayer is the most important key of the kingdom of God. Prayer is the most important what? Of the kingdom of God. Why is it so? Why is prayer the most important thing? Uh, John Wesley made a statement, which I believe is a very um, accurate statement. I love it. He said, without God, man cannot do anything. And without man, God will not do anything on earth. Let's say it again. I say Without God, man can do nothing. But without man, God will do nothing on the earth. So, you know, John Wesley observed it, and a lot of people have observed it, you know, from scriptures and all that, that anytime God wants to do something on the earth, he has to find somebody. He has to find somebody who asks him to do it. He has to find a man who asks him to do it. The The only time that we see in the Bible where God acted on the earth, like just acting on the earth, is Genesis chapter 1. Guys, remember? And God was speaking to the earth. But the moment he said, let us make man, in 26, when he said, let us make man in our own image, and let them have dominion. Let them what? Have dominion. Let's say this is dominion. Paul, please come. Help me. Let's say this is dominion. And this is, I'm God and this is uh, man, let them have. The moment God said, let him have, he transferred it to man, to humanity. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, when God gives something, he's not the kind of person after he has given something, he's checking up on it and saying, you know, I want my thing back. I want my, you know, give, give my thing, give my thing. And his eyes, I don't know, I just want my thing back. No, when God gives it to you, when he gives it to you, of course, he oversees you and all that, but God makes you responsible for what he has given to you. So, from the moment that God did that, the responsibility of earth fell upon man, fell upon humanity. So, whatever man did with that dominion, God will have to walk with it. Even though man, it was a risk because man will do, a new man will do something with it that is not in line with his will. Amen. So, but he still gave the authority and the dominion. Hallelujah. He gave the authority and the dominion. Thank you very much. Now let's confirm that. In Matthew chapter 4, when the devil met Jesus... When the devil met Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, let's quickly go there. So, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and then he was fasting. We're going to talk about that later. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. So, he wasn't doing uh, the break at 6 p.m., you know, it was 40 days out. 40 nights. So, during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, let's go to the, the, the third temp, the third temptation. The third temptation I want to talk about. The devil told him, he said, um, go to like to like verse 6 or so, and look at the, the third temptation when he told him, okay, uh, go this, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. I mean, you guys see what happens when you are fasting. Like, when you are fasting, you know, they are God is speaking to you, and the devil is also trying to come. You know, all kinds of things happen in the time of fasting. The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. So the devil was high. Amen. He said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scripture says you must not worship the Lord your God. How can the devil say, I will give it to Jesus, to him. I will give the world that you created, I will give it to you, if you bow down to me. Now, if that was a lie, somebody said it this way, that's the only time that the devil spoke the truth. Because if it was a lie, it's not a temptation. It's not a temptation, right? If the devil, if if Jesus knew that the devil could not give it to him, that's not a temptation. Then the Bible would be lying when they say that it's a temptation. The only thing that makes the temptation is because it was true. The devil could actually give Jesus, give him a shortcut, give him all the kingdoms of this world at that moment if he bowed to the devil. But in Luke chapter 4, in Luke 4, another rendition, Luke's rendition of this, there was something that Luke added to it, which was very important. Quickly, Luke chapter, chapter 4, starting from verse 1 again. The devil said, I can give you all these things because it has been delivered to me. Everybody said it's been delivered to me. Say it has been delivered to me. It's been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? The person that God gave it to. Do you get it? So you guys now understand why when God wants to do something because God is an honorable person. God is not a landlord that when he has leased the building to you, is breaking into your house to monitor everything that you are doing and try to force to do stuff. No. So he gave it to Adam. So what does he do? He respects man, humanity to take charge of this. Earth. So you understand why the state of this world right now, you can't blame God for it. Do you, what I'm saying? you can't blame God for the state of the world. We blame ourselves. We're the ones who, who have messed up the earth. We're the ones who have messed up our world. We're the ones who mess up the garden that God gave it to us. We're the ones that mess up our cities. We're the one that do, do all that. God has been standing there and it's like, you know what, What this is not what I intended. What I intended was for you to represent me. But you chose not to represent me, you chose to give it over to the devil. You chose. And so you became responsible for the world that you are but i'm still there so god had to use other means to come into this world he came he had to meet abraham you know he tried to find somebody he met abraham and say, you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to cut an agreement with this guy once i have an agreement then i have a right to come that's what the covenant is all about the covenant is god's god's um what do they call that thing? sneaky way if, if you can say that way of coming into the earth despite this arrangement So he made an agreement with a man and said, I'm going to come through you and through your family. So through that, I will restore everything back again. So he formed an agreement. And once a man made an agreement with God, then God has a right to keep coming through that family. So that's how God, you know, began the process of restoration. But you will notice that he will have to tell Abraham to go do something. Even when it came to Jesus Christ coming later, he had to tell Abraham, first of all, to offer his own firstborn. Amen. Yeah, he said, I will give it to you, um, In verse 6, you know, because they are mine, to give to everyone I please. You know, that's, that's what I was looking for. He said, they are mine, to give it to anyone I please. And it was not a lie, right? At that moment, before Jesus Christ died. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Are you following the story? Yes. I'm trying to tell you why prayer is extremely important. So, now, if God is going to walk on the earth is going to have to walk through men that is in covenant with and women that is in covenant with. Amen. That's petition him. So prayer is petitioning God. Prayer is giving God the right and the access into the least apartment that he gave us so that he can do what his will is. And that's why Jesus told us to pray that our Father in heaven, may your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He told us to pray that, to ask God to do that, because it takes our prayers to get God to manifest in our world. So you now see why we have to be intercessors for our cities, right? Because if those who have a covenant with God shut their mouths, those who have a covenant with the devil, they are the ones that is going to be operating. And you, you guys know that Satanists fast. Satanists they fast, they fast over cities, they fast over neighborhoods. They ask for the devil to manifest himself. Do you get what I'm saying? So there there are some people on one side that are praying for something else, right? But one of the things that shocks you when you think about it the most is that the people who have the authority to bring good and to bring heaven into the earth, they are the ones that pray the less and fast the less. Every major religion fasts. They have times that they have separated for fasting. The Muslim have their Ramadan. It's 40 days of fasting. And they pray five times a day. You understand? You guys think it doesn't have an effect? You know, as you will see later, it has an effect. Anytime somebody engages this spiritual principle, it has an effect. But the question is that, what is it releasing? Amen? The Buddhist fast. Do you get what I'm saying? Even secular people right now, they're beginning to understand the power of fasting. You understand? Because everybody knows that there's, a, there's, there's something there's a power beyond this physical world that when you devote yourself to spiritual stuff and deny yourself physically... That power finds more expression on the earth. Amen. Now, not fasting, not fasting. Okay, before I jump into that, let me make the the statement I wanted. I wanted to make one statement over prayer. I said something. I said, prayer is the most important key to the kingdom, to the kingdom manifesting on the earth. But fasting is the most powerful tool of prayer. Everybody say prayer is the most important key. But fasting. Is the most important tool in prayer. Fasting is the most important tool of prayer. When you combine prayer and fasting, you are supersizing your prayers. Amen. You are taking your like you are putting atomic like an atomic energy <laughs> into prayer. That's what fasting does. So fasting is an accompaniment to prayer that makes prayer powerful. So when people say, I want to fast and I want to pray, they are quadrupling, they are multiplying the power that is released whenever we do that. So the kingdom of God can be locked out of the earth by a prayerless church. The kingdom of God can be locked out of a city by a prayerless church. In fact, let me tell you something that that I said it a little bit last week. One of the reasons why a lot of things are happening in our cities and happening in the city of Chicago in our community is because the church not just because the church is prayerless, because the church does not fast. We don't fast. You know, when I was studying this thing, God began to speak to my heart. I've been involved in prayer movements in the city, from a lot of them from when they are starting, from scratch and all that. And I see a lot of praying. but I know this God said, "Do you see a lot of fasting? I said, not much. And one of, one of the reasons is because we still don't, the church has not gotten the revelation of fasting. We've not gotten this revelation of fasting. But I'm believing this year, because this year we're going to fast. You know, I said it last week, we're going to fast. We're going to fast. We're going to fast. We're going to, we're going to put it as part of our schedule. It's a new culture that we're bringing into the City Light Church. It's a new culture that we're bringing in. We are going to fast this year. We're going to fast with revelation. Once we finish this fast right now, on February 17th, Lent is going to begin 40 days before it starts. We're going to do some fasting with that too. And we're going to fast every month. You're going to get it. Amen. We're fasting, but you're going to get the revelation because it's going to change your life. By the time this year is over, in fact, your life is going to be totally transformed. Yeah. You understand? Know, because of this revelation that you are getting on fasting. The kingdom of God can be locked down or hurt by prayer. God spoke to me over the past seven days that I've been fasting. He said to me, he said, there are so many things that I want to do through you. There are so many things that I want to do through the church, what I want to do in this city. But you guys are so far away from it because you have not created the openings for me to do all that I want to do because you are so involved in natural stuff. So you are so involved in natural stuff. But one of the things that is going to do this year is he's going to get us to begin to focus on the spiritual stuff and to begin to diminish the natural stuff. Amen. So, what was the secret of the ministry of Jesus? It was prayer and fasting. That was it. That was, that was the secret. People... People want to see, say, Jesus Christ, you know, and Jesus Christ laid hands and then, or he blew on them, or he used the sand and all that. Those ones are manifestations, right? But the real, you need to go to the root. What is it? So let's let's read some passages. Mark 11, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Let's quickly look at prayer first. Mark 1, verse 35, quickly. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, while it was still dark, The KJB says, a great while before day. Mark one thirty-five. a great while before day. 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 A long while before day. A long while before day. A long while before day. So listen, one of the things that we're going to have to shift into, if we want to see heaven, if we want to see the manifestation of God, is that you will have to deal something with your sleep. A lot of people wake up a great while after day. The sun has woken up. Everything has woken up. The birds have woken up and all that. And then you wake up and yon. <sighs> yeah. And then you, you, you now wake up. By that time, everything for the day has been determined. <laughs> the early bed gets the, you know, the warm. You know, everything has been determined, so you now get in there. And then you already lost control of the day. It is time to begin to follow the example of Jesus and to begin to work on your sleep time. Amen. He said he woke up a great while before day. And then he left the house. I'm reading a translation that says he left the house and he went to a solitary place and there he prayed. So in other words, Jesus Christ had this habit of, you know what, I what I'm supposed to do on this earth is, is, is huge. That's Jesus, God in the flesh. is huge. I just need God. So I can't just be sleeping. i got to wake up before day. And, I'm, and then he went to a solitary place, and then he prayed. He prayed. And then the next morning, the disciples will see, after all that, when he comes back, and they will see people coming, they will see all that coming, and they will be laying hands and all that. They were observing. Let's read another one. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. He prayed to God all night. You know what he was about to do that day? He was about to choose his 12 disciples. So he prayed all night before he made that choice. He prayed all night. So you're saying that there's some things that we have to do with our sleep if we're really going to rise up to be the church that God wants us to be, the person that God wants you to be, we're going to have to do something with our sleep pattern. We cannot just be sleeping. And then the day, everything is, you know, the day is gone, and then you're waking up and yawning. Amen. So the disciples were watching him. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. So they've been watching Jesus, right? And then they asked, they did something. Look at it. It He said, one day, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, just, just try and imagine that. He was in a certain place praying. So, they didn't talk to him while he was praying. They didn't disturb him while he was praying, right? But they were watching him. I can just imagine Peter and all those people saying, ah. They, they, they were doing some mathematics, some calculation. See what this guy is doing. He's praying. And now, he's going to rise up right now. And then the next thing is that, heaven on earth, everywhere. They didn't ask him, how do you heal the sick? They didn't ask him any one of those things. Look at what they said. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to. Teach us to pray. They knew that the secret of the ministry of Jesus, the secret of his life, was in his prayer life. The secret was in his prayer life. They were observing, so they said, you have to teach us to pray. You have to teach us to pray. And that's what led to the Lord's Prayer and some of these teachings, you know, that we're going into. Jesus said, okay, let me teach you guys the secret. The secret of heaven on earth is being able to petition heaven to come down on the earth through prayer. Is being able to petition heaven to come down through prayer. You can petition heaven to come down on your family and it will change the course of your family forever. You can petition God to come down for your city and it will change the course of your city, of your nation, of your generation. You can petition God to come on your body on, and it will change everything. Je- that was the secret of Jesus. And it taught them to pray. So in teaching them to pray, there were certain things that he mentioned. So let's look, you know, quickly um, at I'm going to just talk quickly on four points. The first thing I want to talk about, which I actually started talking about, is what I call the priority of fasting. Everybody say the priority of fasting. The priority of fasting. So when Jesus, you know, looking at Jesus in uh, in the Gospels teaching, he began to make certain statements to give us the secret of his own life. How he's able to live with heaven on the earth, so first of all, he showed by example. We read it in Matthew chapter four, verse one. He prioritized fasting. He prioritized fasting. How do you? How will you? How, how will you how, I mean, how do we see that Jesus prioritized fasting? For thirty years, thirty years, Jesus was on the earth. We have no record of him doing any miracle or all that and anything. And then 30 years, he comes out, meets John the Baptist, he gets baptized, and when he was about to launch his ministry, the first thing he did was to go on a 40-day fast, 40-day and 40-night fast. See, that's the first thing. The first act of ministry that Jesus did was to fast. There's a lesson to learn from that. Before you make any decision or step into anything, any new phase or whatever, any new year. That's why we instituted fasting every year. We've been doing this for years and sitting like church. Fasting is something that you must begin with. That's an example of Jesus. And you're going to see it with the, with the early apostles too that they did exactly the same thing. Fasting, start with fasting. Before you get married, before the wedding planning, start the fasting planning for the wedding. Before you get a new job, do some fasting concerning that job. You move to a new location, do from fasting about that location. You're about to give back to children, or you're about to start giving back to children, do some fasting concerning that. When you're about to step into something new, or a new phase, or a new season, prioritize fasting. Jesus prioritized fasting. He fasted 40 days and 49. And the Bible tells us that after he did that, he returned in the power of the Spirit. What happens with fasting, as we're going to see later, is that fasting gets you connected to the flow of heaven by removing the junk that clogs heaven's power so that you can flow more in the power of heaven the reason why the church is powerless why the church has remained powerless not because we don't have access to power the reason why all these things are happening in our nations like what happened this week and all this stuff and so many terrible things are happening and the church is incapacitated is because the church has not tapped into the power that belongs to it and the reason is because the church is known for eating We're known for feasting. Somebody said it this way that in those days, like after church, on Sundays that you go to all the restaurants, you see people from all kinds of churches. Food everywhere. The church is known for eating. In fact, some people will not go to church except there's food there. Known for eating. Church, Christians are glutens, a lot of us. See people from other, some other religion; they are more disciplined. We eat because of grace. <laughs> so the grace of God, you know. Not by works of righteousness. Yeah, good. The grace of God gives you access to the blessing of God. It gives you access to receiving salvation and righteousness. But... That grace, for it to be manifested upon the earth, for it to be expressed upon the earth, you've got to do something with your body. You've got to do something to your body because your body will hinder the grace. Your body, your flesh, will stop the grace from manifesting. You have to do something with the flesh before the grace can start to manifest. It's not that you are not graced. So that's the error that a lot of people get into. And I don't know where they get it. It Jesus Christ didn't have grace? Didn't Jesus Christ have grace? He fasted. Didn't Paul have grace? it? wasn't he what that taught us about grace. He fasted. So who said, fasting is uh, against grace? No way. Are you guys following me? The first thing he did was to fast. Secondly, when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of heaven on the earth in, in the Sermon on the Mountain, there were three Major practices that he talked about. Three major practices in Matthew chapter 6. The first one was generosity. You know, we talked about last Matthew 6, 1. Quickly, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. When you do your good deeds, watch out, don't do it publicly to be admired by others. You will lose the reward from heaven. So that's the first thing. The second thing he talked about was prayer. Verse 5. Verse 5. The second practice was prayer. When you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. So there's a reward to prayer. Your father. And then the next thing, verse 16, the next practice. There are three he talked about in terms of heaven on the earth. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get, you know. So Jesus was talking about three major things. And those three things, God, you know, let me tell you, those three things. Radical generosity, intensive prayer coupled with fasting is the secret of this year. If you are writing it, then write it down. That's an instruction from God. If you are talking about heaven on earth in your life, it's going to be radical generosity intensive and focused prayers with fasting that is the key for 2021 the key for 2021 for us for heaven and earth those three things that Jesus talked about you are going to have to step up your generosity you are going to have to step up your prayers you are going to have to step up your fasting and we are trying to schedule those things into the year as a church but you will have to do it in your own life also amen Hallelujah. Are you following me? Jesus commanded it. I'm talking about the priority of fasting. Not only did he demonstrate it in his own life, not only did he teach about it, he commanded it. In Matthew 6, 16 that we read, he didn't say if you fast. He said what? When you fast. You know, if I come to you, I say, when I come to your house, or, or you tell me, say, when you come, that means you're expecting me to come, right? It's if you come, it's conditional. When you come means I'm coming." When Jesus said, "When you fast," it means that He's expecting us to fast. Fasting is a Christian thing. It's a grace thing. It's one of the manifestations of God's grace. Fasting is a commandment. Fasting is a command. There are rewards to fasting. Amazing rewards. Amen. Mark, um, Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 to 21, Jesus was speaking about fasting. So, the disciples were trying so hard, you know, the NKJB, give me the NKJ for that. They were trying so hard to cast out um, you know, a, a boy, the father brought a boy who was paralyzed, right? And, I'm sorry, who had, a, who was what do you call it, having seizures and all that and they were trying so hard to, they were trying so hard, they were trying so hard to get the, to get the, the, the demon out. But they could not. They tried everything, but they could not. They tried everything, but they could not. And then they came to Jesus afterward, they said, why could we not cast it out? How many of you have, Look up, everybody. How many of you have been at that point in your life when you said you go to God and say, Why couldn't I do it? Why? How come I couldn't? How come I, I I prayed? And I know it's in the word that I can pray for this to happen, but why couldn't I do it? How come? Why? You know, I've asked myself some things in the city, like in this prayer and fasting time. And I've done it in the past. I go to God, I say, "Go, how come? There are some things I know that I'm supposed to do in this city. But how come I have not been able to do it yet? How come I have not been able to do it yet? You know what God always says? He says, your capacity is not yet there. It's not yet there yet. You yet don't have the capacity. And you can never do whatever you don't have the capacity for, even though you have the right to it. You have the right to it, but you don't have the capacity for it, you will never be able to do it. Right? And one of the ways you expand your spiritual capacity is through fasting. You expand your spiritual capacity through fasting. Look at Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Verse 21. Verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and," and fasting. So there's a level of unbelief, right? A level of unbelief that we have. And listen, the church generally, the church is now steeped in a lot of unbelief and we have turned it into theology. You understand? We have theological thoughts that says that God doesn't move like he used to move anymore in the Bible. It's unbelief that has been turned into theology. Jesus got to a place and he could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. So we have a lot of things that we have turned into songs and unbelief, right? Sorry, turned into theology, but it is our unbelief. Jesus said there's a level of unbelief, a, a level of like the way you think, the way, the way you see things, the way, you know, you, you, you believe and, you know, work with God. That is only when you go into prayer and fasting, that's when you can break that. When you can break that level of unbelief and cut it out. Jesus Christ did it. And that's why you see him flow in the miracle. John the Baptist did it. Paul did it. They had prayer and fasting as as a natural part of their life. So they were constantly breaking those mental barriers. Amen. Mental barriers things. If you want to break mental barriers to step into the next level of your ministry of your calling, of your family, of your finances that you have been held, held down from walking into, it's not because those things don't belong to you. It's just because you are limited by the way you are thinking. Like I told you last week, your enemy is inside of you. Through fasting, you can defeat those enemies that are in you. You can change your thinking. You can break the strong goals that are in your mind. I mean, do you know that you know, you know you can be limited even in finances? That when you see a hundred dollars, like that's the biggest amount that you can see, and when you are spending it, you are so sad. Or you see a thousand or whatever, the same thing can break your mind, your limit inside that, can break your limit regarding that the limit of your mind. Fasting and prayer is the limit breaker. Everybody said after me. Say, fasting and prayer is the limit breaker so that we can do the impossible. How many of you want to join me to do the impossible in this city? How many of you want to join me to reach, you know, that supernaturally by the hand of God, mighty miracles, wonders, signs and wonders all over this city. People are coming to Christ, white, black, brown from everywhere and they are receiving Jesus. Healing is taking place. Communities are changing. Government is bowing to Jesus. Generosity over this city, transformation. The resources of this city is being used for world missions. People are being raised up. People are stepping into their destinies. People are being free. Breakthroughs are taking place. Those things are harvest. Those things belong to us. But we have to press into those things by prayer and by fasting. And I'm in mean, my mind, I'm not going to settle for. Where things are, I'm not going to settle you know. For the status quo, I want everything that God wants for us. I want everything that God wants for me. I want to step into heaven on earth. I want to break the limits. I'm sorry. I want to do stuff in this place to the glory of God that no black man, no African man has ever done. I want to raise a standard for the next generation that they will surpass. And they will say, some men came from Africa. But they did that through the grace of God. And we can do better. And we want to give them. We want to tell them there's no limitation. There's no limit. Nothing can limit you. Not your skin color. Not your accent. Not your background. Nothing can limit you. This is the key. This is the key. Prayer and fasting is the key. Prayer and fasting. That is how you create a new wine skin. John chapter, sorry, Mark chapter two, verse nineteen to twenty-two. Once, when Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, see John's disciples and the Pharisees. Even the Pharisees fasted. Some people came to Jesus and like, said, "Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do?" Jesus replied, "Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom?" In other words, listen, while the groom is here, you know, the groom, the groom is the one, you know, he's having the wedding and he has the wife and all that. So, they are, you know, you guys are surrounded and dancing with him. But you don't go and say, okay, now, let me dance with the wife. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> you don't don't overshoot it, right? <laughs> they can fast, you know, while the groom is with them. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them. Next, verse. someday, and then they will fast. Then they will fast. One day he was taken away from them, and then Peter began to fast. How many of you remember Peter fasting in Acts chapter 10? That he was fasting, that he began to see visions of, of food. Evil food that he was not supposed to have eaten, you know, like you know, like things he had never eaten before. Because they eat and everything. He was having food visions. But he had to fast because Jesus was taken away. Paul had to fast, all of them had to fast I'm going to show you and then Jesus goes on to say besides, we will patch, that's a passage for this one, renewal, we will patch old clothing, verse 21 with new clothes for the new patch will shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before and no one put new wine into old wine schemes. For the new wine will burst the wineskins. And the wine and the skins will be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. So he's saying, first of all, they need to be born again. Do you get it? They need to be born again to have new spirit. Then they will fast. Because then the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon that new spirit that they have. And they are going to be able to do what I'm doing and greater works than what I have done. So Jesus was saying, wait, let me die. Let them become new wineskins first. Amen. And then the time for fasting will come. some people have interpreted this by saying no 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 jesus said don't fast no jesus is saying that you will fast when you become new creations when you are ready to take this thing you will have to fast because now it is time for the apple of the new wine." somebody say new wine somebody say new wine is somebody getting stirred up priority of fasting fasting is practiced throughout the bible It's practiced throughout what? The Bible. Have you guys ever wondered, the three most powerful individuals in the Bible, the three most powerful individuals in the Bible, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, they fasted 40 days. The three most powerful individuals in the Bible, they fasted 40 days, each of them. There must be some correlation with the power that they demonstrated, and they are fasting, they are focused on God. And then the other ones that are powerful there too, you see them, Paul and all those, you see that they were regular people who fasted. Why? What did they know about fasting that the church has lost touch with? What did this guy know about fasting that the church has lost touch in? Uh, with. That's what. Let me quickly, to so number two, quickly. The principles of fasting. I'll stop wherever I can stop and then I'll continue next week. I, I can't finish the entire thing. The principles of fasting. So what is fasting? First of all, fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. Is the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a spiritual purpose. And the key pleasure that we usually abstain from is food. You guys need to get it. You guys need to get it. You know, there is a, a lot of people say, you know what? I'm not going to fast food. I'm just going to fast Netflix. It's a form of fast, you know. It's a form of fast, but it's not as powerful. You know, when you, you know, when you have different things uh, placed together, you know, I I can't, if you remove the base, every other thing will fall. Do you get what I'm saying? The base of all our pleasures is food. A hungry man cannot get angry very successfully. (laughs) Are you getting what I'm saying? A hungry man cannot, or woman, cannot have sex successfully. It's not going to work. Hungry man cannot curse out people and do all that. So you remove the food the base of the pyramid and every other thing that hinders us begins to fall apart. Are you following? That's why food is key to fasting. Please, let's not deceive ourselves that we're fasting Netflix alone. That's my Daniel fast. Remove the food They had Netflix to it. Get some food out of the way. Fasting. It is a personal commitment to renounce the natural in order to invoke the spiritual. It is the dedication of a period of time to devote yourself to spiritual priorities of prayer, without food and other distractions. You will notice that this is not dieting, because if you re- if you go and read about fasting, you see intermittent fasting. You know, you know. Good on this diet. This is not dieting. Dieting is good. It's for your body. But fasting is for a spiritual purpose, but it has an effect on your body. There's a book that I would like you guys to read. You know, I, sometimes when I begin to study like this, God will take me to, uh, that always happens to me, like I will find an old book. You know, those old books are powerful. <laughs> they are the beginning. So I found, in my study on fasting, I found the roots of the revival that took place in the 40s. I'm talking about people like T.L. Osborne, Aura Roberts, a lot of things that took place in the world right then. I found the root. I discovered that they all read a book. The book was called The Atomic Power of (laughs) Fasting. Let me make sure I give you the exact it's atomic power you know how I found it I was listening to Dr. Miles Monroe and he said when he was 17 or 18 he read a book and he mentioned just one name of the guy Like just, he didn't give me the full name so I started my research it was that book atomic power with God through fasting and prayer Atomic Power with God through Fasting and Prayer. It's on Amazon now. It's an old book, 1947. So he said he read it, and that's how fasting started in his life. That's my tomorrow. I read a book by, you know, by a guy called. So I went and did the research, and I found the book, and I bought the book, and I started reading it. And I also testimonies of T.L. Osborne in there, testimony of different people of how they read the book, and they begin to institute fasting and praying in their lives, and the explosion. In fact, you read the book. You read the book, you are going to see testimony. You are going to see so many ministries, people all over the world, from Africa, from everywhere, that came across the book and began to practice fasting. It's going to take you through the system of fasting with diagrams, with pictures, what fasting does in your spirit, what it does in your body, what it does and all. Atomic power with God through fasting and prayer by Franklin Hall. So, as I was reading it, And I saw, that was the root of the the big revival and all that. But you know, after that revival, all this Canada again, whatever, the church began to ride up on all those things and we stopped fasting. The only place where you see a lot of fasting taking place right now is maybe in Africa. In some places like, here, Deboya, all these kind of people. You see that anybody that's carrying the power of God is what? Fasting. You can't carry power without fasting. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? So, Fasting, coupled with prayer, is what releases the power of God in your life in ways that you have never imagined. Please buy that book. Please buy. I want to. You know, it's something I'm studying. In fact, I bought all the books that the guy wrote. I just finished reading this one. I'm going to pick up the second one that he wrote. But that book was so beneficial to me. Learning about the secret of the power. And then also, the health benefit of fasting. What And then what happens when you're in seven days? 14, you know, he's advocating. If, you know, he's advocating advo- all kinds of fast and all that he can do. But he's advocating even longer fast if you can. Even up to 40 days. That's not going to kill you. Your body... Your body doesn't get hungry until after 40 days. The hunger that you feel every day is is called habit hunger. It's just the way you have trained it, you know, sir. But your body can survive for 40 days and more without food. But you need water, amen. You need water every day. But with food, your body is not going to die. Your body doesn't go into starvation. So the pain, oh, no. and then when I listen, guys, do you guys know? No, so, 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 sorry, I need to. I need to talk about this thing, but you know, do you you guys know that the greatest, you read it in the book, the greatest healing, the greatest healing, um, how do I say, principle or therapy or whatever is fasting. The reason for sickness is because of the accumulation of toxins floating around your body because of continual eating. It's floating in the blood, floating in the all kinds of grease. You know, all of them are floating in there. And then there are some bacteria. they are feeding on the food and you keep feeding it and everything. And then the, the stomach doesn't have a break. The the intestine doesn't have a break. And the intestine is so long, several, several miles long. If you unravel it, unravel it so it has to do all that. We never have enough energy, you know, to do everything that we want to do because they constantly they are. Body is focusing 50 to 60 percent of its energy on digesting. That's why you're always sleeping. Always sleeping when you're one about to do something. You have to say, God has given me a vision. And you sit down and say, Lad, it's time to work on this vision, it's time to write this book, it's time to do that the next thing. You are knocking your head, and you have no idea anymore. Your mind is blocked and all that. The reason is because you have eaten, your body is diverting energy. You know, this last seven days of fasting, I know I'm doing a different, you know, kind of fasting. I don't need to talk about it. But by the time I got to the third or fourth day, I became so energetic. I became so energetic that, if I, I felt stronger, I felt stronger than I was before I started the fast. I feel, I still feel stronger right now. You know, and listen as a, as an example. For the church. I'm saying it's not for anything. I'm taking it to 40 days. Yeah. I want to lead people to get into it. Do you get what I'm saying? There is something that takes place in you when you decide to put the pleasure aside and to focus on God. So You'll be healed. People go through fasting. If you, by the time you get to say, by the time you get to 14, 14 days or whatever, the sickness that you've been trying for a long time—diabetes, uh, uh, this one, all those—all these things that they just be giving you medicine and whatever. All you need to do is let your body rest and renew and rejuvenate, and then you just find out that people are getting healed. Read it in the book. People are get just getting healed naturally. Especially, what about your skin? You know, the guy even got to a point. He said, "Even ladies, that if you fast a lot, you won't even need any makeups anymore." He said, "Your skin will have a supernatural tone, like there's a glory that just shines." Like people who have skin disease and all that—all those things are manifestation of toxins. But that's not the focus. Do you get what I'm saying? That's a byproduct. I ever byproduct? That's the byproduct. Your real focus for fasting is to focus on God, right? Without distractions. So let me quickly, as I round up, let me quickly show you. Um, some examples of fasting in the Bible, and then we'll continue from next week. Let's go to the practice of fasting, number three. The practice of fasting. Let's just look at some examples of fasting in the Bible, and then we're just going to round up with that. I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures. Exodus 34, 28 to 29. So, this is Moses. He was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither had bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So, number one, you fast when you are waiting on God for breakthrough revelations. Everybody say breakthrough revelations. The Ten Commandments was going to change history that, they, that Moses was going to receive. So he was there 40 days and 49, no food, no drink. Now, that was supernatural sustenance. Don't try to to, to do a fast without drinking for 40 days and 49. You will be in the presence of God in the heavens. (laughs) If you try that. That was supernatural sustenance. God's presence was manifested there with him. So time, all those things disappeared, so he could do that. But naturally, even Jesus Christ did not fast without water. How do I know? They said Jesus fasted 40 days and 49 and afterwards he was hungry. They didn't say he was thirsty. You get what I'm saying? So water should be a part, a, a part of your thirst. Now there are some fasts you'll see in the Bible where they didn't drink water but it was like, you know, a few days, three days at most in the Bible when they didn't drink water. Like Esther, you know, it was three days without water. But don't go and do a fast for a long time without drinking water. Your body gets dehydrated. You see, when you start to fast, when you start to fast, what begins to happen is that your body begins to re- remove your kidneys, your everything, everything begins to remove all the junk and all that. Put it in your bloodstream, put it all over the place. If you don't drink water to flush them out, those things will begin to coagulate in there and they will cause you health problem and can lead to death. You become dehydrated. So that's why you need a lot of fluid when you're fasting. So that you can keep flushing it out. Keep flushing it out. I always say keep flushing it out. Keep flushing it out. Keep flushing it out. And before you know it, by the time you are done with the fasting, your ener- if I, while you are in there, your energy, because what is taking your energy is not, people think that food is what, what is giving you energy. What is actually the energy, you know, food that you have eaten is stored in there to produce energy whenever you need it. Basically, what is taking a lot of our energy is actually food. That's why you can become stronger when you are fasting. So, so when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when he came out from the mountain, he was shining like that. And the people started putting veil to cover themselves because Moses was shining. If you want your life to shine, if you want to shine, your light to shine, in this year in this city or you just get into this habit make it a lifestyle like we talk about tithing we talk about make it a lifestyle to spend time with God with fasting and prayer and you will shine more so when you're seeking God for revelation Daniel chapter 9 verse 3 it said i turned my face to the lord seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes seeking him making my request seeking him by prayer and supplication you are seeking something you are seeking direction you are seeking a revelation from him Daniel 10 chapter 2 to 3 verse 2 to 3 in those days I Daniel was mourning three full weeks blessed are those who mourn I was mourning three full weeks I had no pleasant food. So this is the kind of this is so the one that David, sorry, that Moses did is called the absolute fast. This is called the Daniel fast. I was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So 21 days, 21 days of not eating any pleasant food or meat and all that. So that is what is called the Daniel fast. That's another kind of fast there. But you see that how did he apply it? He wasn't just applying Daniel fast, you know, because uh, you know, I want to you know lose weight and all that. No. Mm -mm. He was doing it because he was seeking something. Everybody say seeking something. There was a spiritual desire. There was a purpose. There was something that he was seeking and that's why he did that. So let me read one more and I'm going to stop with that. I'll continue next week. During the times of danger, seeking God's help and direction uh, when you practice fasting. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 3. It said, Then Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now that was a king do you know what will happen to our country or our city if we had leaders and we had consensus where they say we're declaring a day of fasting for this nation. A lot of things are going to get transformed. Those things used to happen in the past, you know, but now. But now if that can happen, the church can do it. The church can do it. We can fast for our city. You can fast for your family. You can fast concerning danger, concerning things that are happening. Some things are happening in your family. I just don't know. Why is this happening? Why is nobody is saved? Why is this, you know, and all that. And some of the breakthroughs that we have had in our family came through times of fasting and prayer. You can fast concerning your church. Esther four sixteen. Go gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. That's the one I talk about. Three days, night or day, my mates and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I perish or if I must die, then I will die. Esther was supposed to go and meet the king, and you don't. Nobody approaches the king. If you if you approach the king without him, if he doesn't stretch forth his hand towards you, you are going to be killed and he was going to she was going to go and tell him something there was a genocide that was about to take place they were going to kill all the jews somebody was plotting it she says that for me to do these things this thing and for it to be successful i need everybody to start fasting for 3 days what is it that you are about to do what is it that you are about to start jesus christ showed us when he wanted to start in ministry he went on a fast Let's is showing us in here, when you want to do something that requires people, that requires favor, that requires breakthrough, you want to enter into a marriage, you want to enter into a, into a business relationship, you want to start something, you want to begin a ministry, you want to travel, you want to go somewhere, fasting is one of those things that you should put into it. When you're about to step into an assignment from God that is bigger than your capacity, you got to Fast. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. Nehemiah 1 4. It came to pass, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. You all hear about Nehemiah building the wall. Before Nehemiah built the wall physically, he built the wall in fasting and in prayer. Acts 14 verse 23. This is not just Old Testament. When they established leaders in the church. That's why after our fasting, during the retreat, that's when we talk about the leaders for the year. And we lay hands on them. For the different small groups and all that, our retreat is coming. This is where it came from. In Acts 14 verse 23, when they had ordained the elders in every church, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church with prayer and what? And fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. But prayer and fasting, fasting is part of how you release people into leadership. If you want your leadership to be impactful, if you want your whatever God is telling you to be impactful, you got to put fasting into it. Acts thirteen verse two to three, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said to me, said to them, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted, and prayed, next verse. And when they had fasted and praised, prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them forth. How come they didn't just pray? They fasted and prayed before they laid hands. There's something about fasting that just brings the atomic power of God into whatever you're about to step into. When you had fasting to prayer, you release power that breaks through for you. Never start a year without without fasting and prayer. Never start any initiative without fasting and prayer. Never launch anything without doing some fasting with it. Fasting makes the prayer release, multiplied power to change things. Let's rise up on our faith. I'm going to continue next week. I'm going to continue next week. We are in the season of fasting, but I want you to get the purpose to get the purpose. Like I told you, it's the eighth day. It's the eighth day. I know some of you, I don't know what the kind of fast you did in the first, uh, in the first seven days. If, if you are still being led to continue the same one, do it. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you did seven days and you can do something more in the next seven days, go deeper. Everybody say go deeper. Somebody say go deeper. If you are doing six to six, why don't you even do three days this week just drinking water and juice or something? I'm just giving a suggestion. Step it up. If you are doing Daniel fast or, or whatever, why don't you let some of the meals go or something? Step it further. Step it up. Go deeper. But be focused don't be distracted there is a purpose you want a transformation you are preparing for heaven on earth you are preparing for your calling you are preparing for what God has in store for you and you are trying to prepare your wine skin, your body, your your body to be able to carry the power of God, be able to take you. The journey is ahead. You know when that angel met Elijah, he said, "The journey is far." He said, "It's because the journey is far." You guys need to know the journey of your marriage is far. The journey of your of your ministry is far. There's a whole lot of danger that is ahead. There's a whole lot of things that is ahead that you have not anticipated. But you can fast, even you can fast in preparation for what is ahead that you don't have an idea of. You know, let me, I, I need to read this one. It just came to me to read it to you. Um, is it, is it, I think it's in Ezra. Can, um, Ezra, I read it last week. When Ezra said, you know, to, to told everybody to fast. Um, it was part of my passage last week. Hallelujah. Ezra, Ezra chapter 8 verse 21. It says, And thereby, I give orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We pray that he will give us a safe journey and to protect us and our children and our goods as we travel. As you travel through this year, as you fast, God Will have gone ahead of you to orchestrate, to plan, to make the crooked path place, uh, you know, straight. To remove the mountains, to fill up the valleys, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands right now and just begin to pray to the Lord. I want you to begin to dedicate yourself, to consecrate yourself, to go further in this fasting. Come on, pray, consecrate yourself. That I'm, Lord, i am, I know the purpose. I know, I know the power of this thing, but I want to experience it. I want to experience it. I want to go further in it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We just want to dedicate ourselves afresh for another seven days of fasting going forward lord we're asking that you will give us the grace lord to be focused we consecrate these days we separate these days help us to go deeper help us lord to 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 have a clear purpose help us to push to press to press into you help us lord to break the strongholds to to destroy the habit to break the limitations and to step into a new level help us oh lord in the name of jesus christ to lay a foundation for what is our end In the name of Jesus, let devils begin to bow. Let things begin to break in the spirit realm. Let every stronghold begin to come down. Let the city begin to open up. Let nations begin to open up. Let favor be released. In the name of Jesus, like Esther said, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive fresh grace in the name of Jesus Christ to fast and to seek God and to go higher and deeper in God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.